Want to build a world-class brand and stand out from your competitors? Well then, you're going to need a brand strategy. In this episode, Plan to Brand founder and brand strategist Peter Engelhart, someone who has over 20 years of experience, answers, why do small businesses struggle with branding? What are the most important questions small businesses need to ask their target buyers that will help shape their brand? And what's the difference between strategy versus tactics? Peter answers all these questions and more in this candid interview. So if you are struggling to stand out from the crowd and win in your market, then this episode is for you. Keep listening. Welcome to Founders Connect Podcast. We help lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Did you know that approximately 45% of marriages end up in divorce and 65% of all startups fail due to founder conflicts? Well, we're here to change that. Each week, we bring you an inspiring guest and practical tips to help you with business, relationships, and sustainable living. Now, let the fun begin! Hi, I'm Cindy Pham. And I'm Anthony Chansomuth. And we're from Founders Connect. Today, we are going to talk all about how to build a brand for your small business. And I've invited my good friend, Peter Engelhart, who's the founder and CEO of Creative Brew, a strategic design agency focused on helping SMEs embrace strategic thinking onto the show. Peter's been at it for about three decades now and has been working with and helped establish some of Australia's leading brands, including Connex, Melbourne Aquarium, Toll, The Entourage, Mangrook Footy Show, didn't know about that one, Shell, Tourism Victoria, Swan and TSC. Peter works directly with entrepreneurs and business creators who want to transform their businesses into industry-leading brands. He's considered a leading expert in applying strategic thinking to accelerate brand establishment and growth. He's also developed with his team world's only interactive e-tool, Plan to Brand, which is at plantobrand.com. And we've actually utilized that to launch this particular project, Founders Connect. So I'm really, really excited to have Peter on and we're going to talk all about branding and what's been frustrating Peter recently (laughs) around this concept of brand. Let's get into it. Thanks for joining us today, Peter. My pleasure. Just to be invited. (laughs) Love it. All right. Now, before we go into all business, we typically like to just learn a bit more about our guests as individuals. So Cindy. So from a scale of one to 10, how weird are you? Oh, I guess I am a little bit weird. I reckon seven going on eight. Yeah. Just make it eight, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) I just ordered a T-shirt because I don't wear shirts anymore. I just wear T-shirts. And my latest T-shirt says, surely not everyone was kung fu fighting. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great shirt. (laughs) (laughs) This... I want to wear that shirt in China or somewhere like that and see how the response is. Um, okay, so I love it. Why do you... Why is it yeah, eight? Why is, why is it a seven going on to an eight? What's going through your head when you say that? I don't know. I've never played the corporate game. I mean, I did try to do that a while ago. But, you know, like I love going out to see bands. You know, I'm 60 years old, but I still go to see bands and I go with my 22-year-old daughter and I go on yoga retreats with my daughter and I um, work from home and. I'm obsessive about what I do, you know. Yeah, just love life and try to do it differently from most. That's definitely different already, isn't it? Yep. Love that. I love that. You're doing things with your daughter and it's a nice way to 
build that relationship. Bonding. Um, and there's nothing like going to a concert, you know, or live music with your, your, daughter. your daughter or in my case, my wife. So that's pretty cool. All right. So if you had all the time and money in the world, what would you be doing? Wow. Uh, traveling. Yeah. Traveling. We're off to Sri Lanka for three weeks soon. You know, we haven't booked any accommodation. We're there at Christmas time. In the next few nights, we'll book the first two nights and then we'll just roll. You know, we'll see what happens. We're not doing five-star hotels. We'll just explore. So I'm taking my wife and my daughter. That's three weeks. That's going to be fun. Wonderful. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, lots of travel. Is that related to the yoga work or is that more just a... Um, no, we will be hunting out yoga though. Because I know last time we spoke, you were doing some retreat. Um, yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks in Bali and that was really, really special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, Bali is definitely a special place. And have you done any facilitator training in the yoga space? No. No? Okay. No. Just Tempted to. Yeah. Because mm. I know that's something Cindy was exploring as well, just yeah. to learn, I guess, to get a deeper understanding of what yoga practice is and what mm. it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I sort of practice six days a week, six, seven days a week. I'm pretty getting yeah, very much into the mindfulness and the space, that the peace that it brings you, you know. It's mm. really something. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> and what's the relationship between space, peace and creativity? Oh, yeah, you need, <laughs> you need time to think. We don't think enough. My morning walks, that's when everything gets thought through for the day when you go walking, when you've got that space. I don't think in this mad world we don't stop enough to think. We just react, react, react all day. And mm. um, I don't think it's very healthy anymore, you know. Therefore, you continue to do everything the way it was always done and you don't question things. And so, you know, industries carry on the way they always do and then wonder why someone pulls the rug out from underneath them all of a sudden, you know, because someone's had time to think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spot on. <laughs> so what's your favourite quote, Peter? My favourite quote? Look, it's my quote. Until what you say is more important than what you sell, you don't have a brand. Mm, there you go. Until what you say is more important than what you sell, sell you don't have a brand. Okay. Mm. Yes. We're going to dive into that in just a moment. I love that. So let's pause that thought. Okay. Pause that thought. So who's been your greatest mentor in life or career? And what did you learn from them? Greatest mentor? Mm. You know, I look up to the Gary Vaynerchuks of the world, the Seth Godins. I think they write really good content, you know, mm. whether it's Seth's, you know, Gary's videos or Seth's books. And I think those sort of people have taught me to have the confidence to do it my way. I, you know, to think, yeah, my opinion matters. Mm. I can, I am good enough to go out there and give it a shot, you know, because you sort of grow up and, in our area, you just had a job, you know, and you thought you were just going to have a job for the rest of your life and work for someone. And to sort of go, no, I'm going to create something and market it and sell it myself and turn into an entrepreneur as a 60-year-old, you know, the young people are doing that. But for me to sort of shut my web agency down and go on this journey I'm on took a lot of, you know, guts, you know. I haven't made a big income for a long time, but I'm loving what I'm doing, you know, and that's bearing fruit now. And and I think watching them over the past few years gave me the impetus to go, yeah, I can do that. I can do what I want to do. That's great. So how did you start with this brand uh, company? 
How did you get into branding? Yeah, that was that's <laughs> the better question. <laughs> I was like, oh, I just love it. So you mentioned you're in web. Yeah, you started with web or you had a web company. And yep. so how did that yeah. translate into brand? Yeah, so I've had a design and marketing studio for literally 25, 30 years. And in the early days, we worked with bigger corporates and we helped establish them or work with them and got briefs from them. And they had marketing people who could give us a good brief. So as a design company, we were reacting to those briefs and it was quite easy to come up with the goods. But around 2000, I sort of bought my partner out because I wanted to do a lot more in the web space and online and that was all just emerging. And so I found myself working with smaller companies and, you know, entrepreneurship was the new black and everyone started a business because they could Mm -hmm. and the tools were there. And so I'm dealing with all these small businesses all of a sudden and they're coming to me for whether it's a website, whatever, I'm trying to get my head around their business and deliver some marketing material that works for them. And at the end of the day, it dawned on me, they can't answer the simple question, why someone should buy from them and not their competitors. They hadn't thought that strategic issue out. They had simply started a business on a whim, as most businesses. Sure, they've got contacts in that area. You know, their first year is probably quite good because they're excited and they're, you know, doing their first jobs. Inevitably, a year or two later, they're going, well, that first website doesn't really say what I want it to say. And they go to another designer and try another website and then that doesn't work. And it's because they can't answer these fundamental strategic questions, which is what's my point of difference, etc. So I looked at the big brands that I had worked for and they had a strategic approach to the market. Call that brand strategy, strategic thinking, but they had found a point of difference and created a product for a need or a gap in the market, etc. And all smaller businesses, you know, they would just generally jump on a trend, like the amount of green juice businesses. People <laughs> came to me, you know, I'm going to start a green juice company and we're going to buy trucks and we're going to deliver them. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, but what's your point of difference? Oh, we're organic. So all of them are organic, you know. And it's just not that easy to build a business for the long term. And as you know, like, it doesn't matter what figures you read, 50, 60, 70, 80% last three or four years of businesses, you know, and they crash and burn. And I thought, what can I do to help these businesses? So I started a workshop, which was called Differentiate, well, Differentiate Your Business, Differentiate to Dominate. So it was a simple workshop that asked some questions about point of difference. And we researched what we could put in the workshop because we were designers and we had an idea, you know, what's your vision and things like that. But we started getting stuff off the internet and we found a simple process and then we got it improved at each time. And we're getting pretty good results after taking clients through it for a day and then doing their websites. And it grew and became, you know, strategy isn't easy. So we were continually like adding bits to it and refining it until we sort of came up with a process that we felt pretty much suited most businesses. Hmm. I was trying to democratise or simplify brand strategy so smaller businesses could use it and, you know, nip at the heels of the big brands. And we dissected what the big brands had done or touched on in one way, shape or form to establish their businesses. We boiled it into seven steps that they need to think through or address and that became our process and then we put it into an online tool. 
an online platform that people can use to guide themselves through the strategic planning process. So you could call it branding, but it's everything before the logo. Mm. And I call it brand foundations. It's the base to your brand. It's the roadmap. It's like a house has a plan that a builder uses to build a house. It's a plan for your business, so a strategic plan or a strategic approach to the market. Right. And that's what I talk about now and help companies sort of work through. Is really something I want to unpack on with you. Do you mind sharing with our audience what are those, you mentioned there are seven considerations, I suppose, you need to look at when you're sort of trying to really understand how you can differentiate or really even just be able to explain and articulate what it is you do and who you do it for better. And I think a lot of, as you know, because I've been in the marketing world for some time now, again and again, I get people coming to me for content or for a social media strategy or whatever it may be, and they haven't done the stuff that you're talking about, right? And so it makes it really hard for me as a marketer to say, well, we're going to get you results because you know, when I'm looking at it, I'm saying, you don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't know how, you're just doing the same as everybody else. And that's not really going to make you stand out in any way. And you're wondering why your content doesn't work. So Peter, what that's are those right. seven sort of keys that businesses need to work on? You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. See. Everyone like marketers or people like you, you get it. And most businesses don't realise this is missing in their business. And when you said that they're not good at what they do, I now, in my presentations, I have a picture of a pig with lipstick on it. And because Barack Obama famously said, you know, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. (laughs) That's what I feel like most marketers or content writers are trying to do now for companies. Because the company hasn't addressed this. So my seven steps. Mm-hmm. And this is, it's, it sort of goes from really way out there and it's challenging and then it all funnels down. And the way we put it together, every step needs to be addressed in a certain, the order I'll go through. And the problem, I guess, has been that in the past, say with a positioning statement, somebody, marketer might go to a company, hey, you need a positioning statement. Well, that's one of our steps, but you can't come up with a positioning statement until you've addressed other things first. Otherwise, it's sort of an isolated event or it's a bit like, let's do brand personality for my company. It's with, yeah, yeah. A brand personality in relation to what? What the customer wants, what I want. So everything informs each other. So where it starts is why, Simon Sinek's why. And I guess that's what really kicked off our obsession with it when we could see that the world was so complex and everyone was beginning to look for more meaning in behind companies you know so because we're filtering everything out nowadays we're getting so many messages we're relating to the companies why and that wasn't the case 20 30 40 years ago why didn't matter you know there's less choice now with so much choice so today's world got to start off with what's your purpose that really helps you with your content all right because if your purpose is i don't know if you know jack delosa from the entourage right so his purpose is more around the education system is not serving the entrepreneur so i want to create an education model that makes the entrepreneur suits them better because the old model is just it's ridiculous 
So he doesn't talk about the entourage in his blogs and try and sell. He talks about the problem he saw in the industry, the education models busted. So he can talk to that and people go, yeah, it is. And then, so what do you do? Oh, well, I have the entourage. So talking about your why, the bigger problem you see in the industry and the way you're solving it, that's when you can write about your thing without selling your thing and it'll all lead back to your product or service. So that's what's really good about getting purpose really clear. Plus, it helps with your brand story and it attracts like-minded staff and then, you know, people who believe in what you believe will buy from you, et cetera, et cetera. So why is number? It's just huge. But then we go into what market are you in and what is your target market look like? That's the second step, probably the trickiest step. In the past, a target market would be an avatar, you know, 35-year-old woman and two kids and drives a BMW. Well, that's all pretty – that doesn't really help. So we go into pain points, must-haves, will-buys, likely roadblocks. So addressing all of those issues so you can understand – really what the client, your target market's looking for so you can tweak your business around their needs and stop pushing your product to them so you're talking to their pain points. There's many reasons for that. That's probably the most challenging area. Then it gets into what is your position in the market. Number three, your brand positioning. And that's a positioning statement, basically marketing 101 from the 1950s, you know, but most people aren't clear on that. Do you know what I mean when I say a positioning statement? Yeah. Why don't we inform the listeners? Because some people might not be clear on that. Is that the same thing as like a unique selling proposition? Is that the same thing or is that different? It's a bit different. And so a positioning statement, keep in mind, a lot of this stuff is internal. It drives the company. It informs the market mission. So positioning statement would be, we have a formula, right? So there's your target market, what you do, your point of difference and prove it. Don't just have a point of difference, I justify it. So FedEx is um, to time poor business people. FedEx is the delivery package service. Now, the point of difference back then was they deliver overnight. But to justify it, they said we have a sophisticated packing and tracking system. So they had to build a sophisticated packing and tracking system to be different from their competitors. They knew their target market was time poor, wanted the parcel the next day. So they built and changed something in their business. Up until then, they were just delivering parcels like all the other big companies and they weren't the top of the pile. It was when they clarified their point of difference and drove it home through that positioning statement, which begins to guide and direct everything you do in your business. You know, we deliver to time poor business people because we have the best tracking and delivery mechanism. And that simplicity is the key to their differentiation. It tells everyone in the business what their priorities are. This is what we do. Don't do anything else. You know, don't even think about buying a tinny bit of equipment in the factory out there. We want the best because we are. So then that can that gets to their brand promise on time every time. See, so everything like, so after the positioning statement, we get into values or pillars. Hmm just like Richard Branson has three or four pillars for his business, which is delighting the customer, doing things differently and innovating in new industries, sort of he won't go in unless he can sort of rock it or change it a bit. And those low prices aren't a pillar, you know. 
keeping prices down is a customer focus they're interested in and it's written down, but that's just serving the customer lowest prices he leaves that to Tiger Air or whatever. So the pillars, again, internal and clarify what your business is, where it's going and how it's going to do it. So they're values that matter to the customer. And then from there, you can create your brand promise on time, every time. And then it's simply vision. What are you building? What's the future going to look like? And then we go very deep into brand personality, archetypes and tone of voice and everything. We have a system for that. It's all drag and drop and answer some questions and it pumps it all out. And at the end of the day, you're more able to brief a designer on what your company stands for, what its point of difference is, what the personality looks like, what our brand promises. And from all of that, the marketing messages can get developed by the creative people. So just a quick recap. So we've got the seven, which is the why, your target market, your audience. Number three is your brand position. Four is your values, your guiding values. Number five is your brand promise. Six is your vision, where you're going with what you're doing. And then number seven is your brand personality. These all, when we went through the process, it takes a lot of work. And I can see, you know, what you've been saying the whole time. And this is where a lot of, I guess, small businesses and entrepreneurs tend to skip it because they kind of feel, well, if I've got the uh, tagline, then that's enough. Or if I've got the logo, then we're good to go. But, you know, there's so much work in really understanding who you are and what you're about, you know, before you even jump into logos and websites and all these sort of things. And let's go on point number two, which was around target market. Cindy, you've got a question there about that. Yes, I do. Basically, what are the most important questions small businesses need to ask the target buyers that will help shape their brand? I reckon it would be to go to someone that came to you for a quote and they didn't end up using you and they used another company. Mm. I try and get in touch with them and ask them, you know, over and above price, or maybe it only was price, but, you know, what made you decide to go with that other company? And when people don't do this, you know, and you can find out really critical information because at the end of the day, it's probably some perception they picked up. Yeah. If you can remedy that perception, because that's all a brand is, you know, you've said or someone's said or done something that, I don't know, made the people not feel right, gave them a gut feeling or fear or something. What was it? Because it's addressing all of those issues that will help you, you know, win next time sort of thing. I think people, you're right, they do underestimate how much work this is. That's why there's only so many apples and virgins and FedExes out there, you know. But keep in mind, Google, Harley-Davidson, Walt Disney, Apple, they all started in a garage. Mm. They all started as small businesses. And, you know, they didn't pop up overnight. They struggled for a couple of years until things, you know, started to come together. But um, all of those companies are purpose-driven. You know, all of them have their values. All of them are clear on their point of difference. All of them use brand personality to differentiate. You know, the, the planes Virgin flies around in other same planes that all the other competitive airlines fly around in, and it's just, you know, they wrap it up in a different way. So, I like that example because it's easy for a small business to look at that and say, well, you know, I don't have the R&D budget of a Virgin or, you know, an Apple or whatever it may be, Coca-Cola. But like you say, they all started from, you know, whether it's two guys in a garage or whatever it may be. So what do you say about that? How can businesses do research, the required research to really get better clarity around 
some of these things that we're talking about here. That's interesting because I do wonder why businesses don't do the research and don't think strategically. But when I look at the successful companies, they're simple. They've got a very simple premise and business model, you know, like Walmart, just cheap food for people. Or then there's, you know, the next level up of food companies. It's gourmet food. I don't think you have to be surprisingly tricky or anything nowadays. I think people overcomplicate things. You have to have a very simple premise, which is effectively a strategy, isn't it? And just execute on that and do it well and better than anyone else. But it does annoy me that so many people, like I just put out a post, I don't know if you saw it a couple of hours ago, I just said that there are no shortcuts, boys. There's just no shortcuts <laughs> out there. I don't care what... You know, I think you read the Facebook feeds now and it's just full of people falsely trying to disguise some subtle advertising to sell something and we all sense it and we all pick up on it. I think we all feel bad about it when we don't know what else to say, Mm. you know. So that's why you go back to purpose and talk about that, And you know. And So I'm just trying to democratise strategy and hope it works. Just speaking about your Facebook post, there was one I've got here which I really really struck me, which is where you stated, in fact, every time you're stuck with products or constant promos, you're diluting the brand values. You ain't a price brand and you ain't Walmart. So can you tell us a bit more about that? Where does that come from? (laughs) I mean, especially like we're doing this interview right after, you know, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, everyone, you know, for some reason, all Australian companies becoming Black Friday companies now, even though that's really a US thing. Tell us about (laughs) what are you seeing and observing there? What did I say in that one? You said, Every time you are stuck with products or constant promos, you're diluting the brand values. Yeah, because you're just pushing. Like that's just the old push tactic, promo, promo, you know, and you don't see the virgins of the world doing blatant advertising all the time. They just have a great website and quirky advertising (laughs) and they're supporting they do more brand awareness, but they don't do much selling. Now, sure, they're big and they've got to that position, but I think more brand awareness around what you do as opposed to just trying to have another sale, I think certainly in the long term, and if you've got time to, if you've got a long-term vision, you should be doing brand awareness because people are just put off by selling yeah. or being sold to, and it makes us feel icky and you know, certainly the millennials and all, you know, they're really astute. They're not going to, you know, fall into that trap. And I think people are doing because they don't know what else to do. So they think a tactic is to post on Facebook tomorrow that they've got a sale. That's not a tactic. <laughs> That's sort of a sign of desperation. So it's like, what is our long-term objective? Where do we want to be? And what are we doing better than anyone else? And I can tell you most of the time, just go to customer service, just address your customer service and do something that no one else does in your industry and offer it. Hey, guys, we actually offer this. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Don't sell, just tell them what you do. I don't know. Yeah, I really like that. And I really like just the act of going to your customers and you know, really understanding from them some key decision points, right? Like why did they buy you and not the competitor? Why did they choose to stay with you? Or like you say, why did they choose to leave you? Yeah. These are really important questions to ask and a lot of small businesses are just not doing it. 
I think they're afraid of the answers, to be honest. You know, it's like, you don't want to ask your ex, you know, your ex why they dumped you. Like, that's really part of what's coming up with people. You are listening to the Founders Connect podcast, helping lifestyle entrepreneurs to grow their business online and create a happier marriage. Now back to the show. In that post, you also talked about strategy and tactics. So uh, can you just clarify what's the difference between strategy and tactics and uh, share an example for our audience? The strategy is everything I've been speaking about, your strategic approach to the market and what's your position in the market, what's your point of difference, etc. So building that up. And then you'll have better marketing because you'll be pretty confident. And a tactic is... Well, oh, the website didn't work. I should be doing Instagram because my friend said Instagram is working really well for them. You know what I mean? And that's Mm -hmm. what people do. But I mean, I guess another example was, I don't know if you know that the iPod was not the first MP3 player. Mm. And seven years beforehand, there was this thing called a Lyra, L-Y-R-A, by RCA. And it was this great little iPod that they came out seven years before Apple. And by all reports, it was a great, solid piece of equipment. And their advertising said one gig of storage. Now, the thing never sold because they were talking about what they do. And that's what most businesses do, you know. I sell meat pies and they're they're 99% fat-free. They don't say, hey, you can lose weight on our meat pies. They talk about their pie and not the emotional benefit you'll get from it. So the RCA said, you know, one gig of storage, no one knew how many songs that was. It's new technology. Apple came out with the iPod, changed the music industry, but their ad said a thousand songs in your back pocket. Their strategy was they understood the target market's pain points. Hmm. They understood that emotionally they wanted to show off in front of their friends at the party on Saturday night. They didn't care how many songs were on it. And that simple you know, change of thought. Stop talking about, you know, it's made out of gold and it flashes to, hey, you have a thousand songs in your back pocket. You've got to start thinking strategically and stop just trying a tactic, trying a tactic, you know. I was going to say, yeah, you've got to back it up. I like the distinction you made about backing it up with, you know, like what you're saying, the FedEx example you used, you know, to say, well, it's not just about delivering on time, but we actually are putting in a system that does it, right? Like it's an yeah. iPod, uh, you know, if, yes, we have the 10 gigabytes, but really this is what it means to you. And it's also cool and hip and it's whatever it is, the other things. And they've just really nailed it with the campaigns, even post Steve Jobs, I believe. So, yeah, and we, yeah. we help businesses like, you know, they might just be cleaners. It doesn't matter what it is and they might claim that they're the best. And then I say justify it and they go, well, I don't know how to. And I think, well, do you have a process for monitoring your quality control? They go, yeah, we've got a process. Okay, well, why don't we turn that into a system? So you're the best cleaners for schools because you have a three-step quality control system. And, you know, is this, this, and this. So, okay, well, let's build that into something special. Let's lead with that all the time. Let's improve that system. Let's own it. And then, okay, there's your point of difference. It's not, it does apply to small business. I just use the big examples because people get it. Yeah. You know, understand when we talk about Apple. But we help small businesses do this all the time and it changes them, you know, because they're now able to talk about what they have as opposed to, yeah, what they do. 
So what's the biggest challenge you face with running your own business and maintaining a happy and healthy relationship and family? Well, just with my business, for instance, no one knows that they have this problem, that they <laughs> don't know about strategies. No one's looking for my business. And it's complex, so I even struggle to market or advertise my business and get that message right. But the life balance thing, I moved home a few years ago, so I work from home and my team works from their homes. So it's meant communication's a bit slower between us, but that's really improved life balance because I'm not in traffic one hour (laughs) in the morning and one hour back at night and neither is my staff and I can walk for that hour, walk the dogs, etc. So working from home's made a lot of difference, but then my wife works, so she thinks I can do the cooking and the cleaning <laughs> and the dinner will be on the table at night. So it yes. doesn't, doesn't matter what way you slice the cake up, you know. It's a challenging life. We're all time poor. We've all got too many emails to answer. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any getting away from that. I think it's more about just going, okay, that's the way it is. You can't fight against it too much. You sort of have to accept it and get on and like I literally work, I sit at the computer here seven days a week, not eight or ten hours a day, but every Saturday and Sunday I'm two, three, four, five hours in front of the computer just because it's content to write, stuff I like to do. What else would I do? Absolutely. I go to yoga every day and I may as well do some work. <laughs> That's right. And uh, how about your phone? Yes. Are you attached to your phone as well, Peter? <laughs> I am a bit. Yeah, well, you know, it's part and parcel, but I think it's really <laughs> communicating that with your wife and your daughter or whatever. And let, so people know, right? Like it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's a new way of being, I suppose, if we compare it to 20 years ago or even 10 years ago when we were all, well, I came from a corporate life. So, you know, once they started giving us the laptops and mobile phones, things started to change dramatically. Well, did it, what? Yes. We just tried to go to the movies last night to see... Um, we will rock you, right? The three of us thought, yes. we'll just go to the movies. And we planned it. I had the tickets. So, but naturally, someone, Mandy comes in late and, you know, and then all of a sudden we're rushing out the door. We had planned to talk, but we rush out the door and we hit the traffic. And I didn't have my phone and I bought the tickets on my phone and it had the barcode on it. So we had to turn around and come back. And the panic and the stress <laughs> to get to a cinema that's eight minutes away, it's just sometimes it wasn't worth it. But by the End of the evening, we've seen the best show. You know, I cried my heart out. It was that good. And, yeah, I think you've just got to roll with it because <laughs> life can be stressful. doesn't matter how much planning or organising you do. Yeah. But it sounds yeah. like you've got your yoga practice, your health practice, which keeps yeah. you grounded and, and it gives you the space to think, as you say. Yeah, really important. Yes. Yeah. Zen. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the moment when you knew your partner was the one? That you wanted to be for life. <laughs> I actually remember it really clearly because we went out together for about two and a half years when she was 18 or seven and a half, 18, 19 and 20, whatever, and we broke up and we broke up for eight years mm. wow. and I was single and so was she eight years later and she asked me, because she knew I was at home by myself at Christmas time. And we were friends. She'd been living in London for five years, but she came back and we still had the same friends. So she had a farm and we went up. She said, why don't you just come up as a friend to the farm 
and see mum and dad and, you know, they'd be happy to see you and we can have Christmas and just chill because I've asked another few friends up. So we went up to this farm on the Murray River here in Victoria and I pulled my back getting out of the water on a water ski, pulled a muscle, and I couldn't move, right? I could not move. I was in, it's never happened to me. I thought I'd, you know, broken my back or something. It was just a pulled muscle. And so the father is filling me full of scotch, and I was never a Scotch drinker, but he said this would kill the pain. So I'm lying on bed in the spare room where I'm sleeping by myself, getting full of Scotch, and Mandy, my wife, not the girlfriend then, my ex-girlfriend, was coming in saying, are you all right, you know, and looking after me. And I remember lying in bed that night in total agony thinking, I'm going to marry her one day. Amazing. And, yeah, and for some reason we just grew back together and got married. But I remember it really clearly, yeah. That was the moment. There you go. Our really first real moment. <laughs> it's interesting to me it's when, you know, you go through, you literally pull your back out for it. <laughs> you know, and then you have someone who's obviously caring for you. And that's kind of what happens. Like we've said this when it's tragedy or challenging times that bring people together faster than anything else. <laughs> and we experienced that. So I love that story. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, thank um, you for sharing. All right. So we're just going to wrap up. I mean, there's a ton of stuff you can get into with the branding and all that stuff. But I would highly recommend people check out Panda Brand and to connect with Peter. And we'll put links to your website and the tour and everything in the show notes. So just two more questions. So what was one book or resource that's really mentioned that has made a significant impact on you or your business? One book? Or resource. Or resource. It's actually called Fusion by Denise Leong. Hmm. don't know if you know it. Denise... Leon wrote a book called What Great Brands Do, and that's awesome, really good. And it's pretty much what I talk about in one way, shape or form. She works with the big corporates in America. Now, she's come up with the book, How to Take That Strategy, That Culture, That, you know, These Are Our Values, This Is Our Brand Promise, How to Take That Into the Culture of the Business. So she's got processes around, you know, what to think about and and how to infuse, you know, when you see the Googles and Apples of the world and Nikes of the world and everyone wants to work with them um, because they have such great culture and they live and are true to their brand. Well, this book, Fusion, shows you how to do that. And it's just inspiring. And it's sort of the next phase of what we're trying to develop once you go through our process, then how do you live it? Mm. And so the outcomes don't live in the bottom drawer. Yeah. How do you I bring could, life in a business? I could definitely see that being a natural evolution for what you've already got in place. Um, yeah. Perhaps you could even have her collaborate with you on developing that, but that would be interesting. Whilst we're on, I mean, just came to my head, but what's your take on this whole personal branding thing? Do you believe in it? Do you feel... You do need to have a face attached to a brand or can you still survive behind a logo in 2019? Yeah, I think more and more. Definitely, yes. But if you're trying to build a business up to sell it, well, then you have to be pretty clear about the delineation between the two, if you know what I mean. And I think Jack Delos has done that quite well. He's got his own brand and the entourage, you know, could run without him. So yeah. I think you just have to keep that in mind. But I think it's very important that if you want to become a leader, I think you do need to be solving a problem in your industry. And I always say your why should be big enough 
and you should be that obsessed with it that you could write a book about it. And so, yes, that's part of building a personal brand, et cetera, et cetera. So I think so, you know. It doesn't apply to BHP or anything, but it applies to all of the entrepreneurs out there. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, final question, Cindy. So after all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for, Peter? Democratizing brand strategy. That's what I want to do. I'm a bit obsessed by it. For what purpose? Why does that drive you? My purpose is really to help more businesses, amazing business owners do amazing things. And if they understand brand strategy, they're going to build better companies. So the more people I can help to do that, ultimately with planned brand, what I'm doing now is I'm trying to develop a lead attraction model working with, I don't know if you know Kim Barrett? No, I haven't met Kim. Yeah, just started to work with him. I'm trying to create a lead generation model because it's hard to get that right. But I think once I've got that lead generation model, I know I can put that sort of money in the top of the funnel and it'll attract X amount of people because my product works really well in, let's say, um, six or eight businesses in a two-day boot camp. Now, if I could create the lead generation model, coach other marketers, designers, business coaches how to use my steps and then give them the attraction model and the product and they become the teachers and I step away over time and get more people using the system that way. That's where I'd like to be in 12 months' time. Fantastic. It's all about helping good businesses do good things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, Peter. We love everything you shared about, you know, what is a brand? How do you actually articulate it better? And... We just want to acknowledge you for all the work and passion you put into this because I've known you for a couple of years now and just to see you continually at it and then you've been doing tours and book launches and all kinds of interesting yeah. things. And certainly the software has actually helped us through our journey. Cindy was shocked at how much work was required oh to go through God, that. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. You learn something though. You do. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. I think it changes your perspective. And you have to yeah. think a lot into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but it's all about laying the foundations, as you say, uh, you know, and you build upon that. So thank you so much and thank you for your wisdom and, and your time today. And thanks for having me. It's been great to chat and, you know, get to know each other a bit better. And uh, let's catch up face to face one day when you're in Melbourne. Let me know. Yes, absolutely. Cindy loves going down to Melbourne. Yes, I do. I love it. She used to live there for a while, didn't you? Yes, I did. There you go. All right. Okay. For everyone else, hit subscribe. Uh, head over to plansyourbrand.com. We'll also add links to Creative Brew and, and other sites where you can connect with Peter. And if you like this episode or have any questions about this topic, let us know and we'll definitely engage with Peter and let uh, him, let the expert answer the question for you. All right. So thank you, everyone. And we'll see you guys real soon. Thanks, Peter. So that was our interview with brand strategy expert, Peter Engelhardt. Cindy, what was your key takeaway? My key takeaway was... There are seven steps to branding, you know, to get a good brand. Do you remember what they were? Yeah, I have it down. One is why, two is target market, three is brand positioning, four is value, and five is brand promise. Number six is your brand vision, and finally, your brand personality. But I think the most thing that resonated with me was that it takes a lot of effort and being clear about what you want, purpose of the company, helps a lot in your branding. 
Yeah, it helps in your messaging. You know, when people ask you what you do, you really need to be able to differentiate why you do it. And so for me, the takeaway to add on to what you've said, Cindy, is that you need to be able to justify it. So if you say we're the best, and everyone says we're the best, how many times do we walk down the street and all the restaurants say we're the best? That's true. Right. The best at what? Exactly. Why and why? <laughs> right? So are you the best because you've got a special sauce that you make that no one else has made and that's come from three generations of your family? Like what is it? We go to this one bread shop in Marrickville all the time. So why do you always keep going back to that one shop? Because of the curry pie. But they never advertise that. There you go. Well, I was talking about the bun me, but that's fine. <laughs> well, the Vietnamese bread shop is different because that is the original one and the source and the method they have there has been down-packed to uh, the system, basically. And there have been competitors have tried to compete with them on that street and they all died. Exactly. They all died because theirs was still the best taste-wise, quality-wise and also quantity-wise and speed as well. Of course, yeah, the speed does matter when you're in a rush there you go it's interesting too so a point i would make about that business is they didn't have to actually say all those things in their marketing no they say it in their own system when i went in there there is actually a system they layer the food there the salad mixes and all the parts that you go into it and then you just go in sequence with it and if somebody is not doing that somebody will be cutting the bread and somebody will be you know spreading it and then one person would do the putting the bread together. So it's important to have a system for what you do. Exactly. So you can repeat the same result, mm. right? It's the same bread, no matter who's in there doing it. And this is why they've actually opened up to a second location, which isn't as great. So that's interesting. Yes, because uh, they are known for it already in the old one. And the new people or new employees are there, they're not as passionate or they don't know the system well enough to put exactly how much in it and how much sauce and all that stuff. And yeah, basically, I think that would be the difference. And it's a matter of time and training. Yes, but also the personality of the staff. Yeah, the staff. Even though the other place is smaller, they are more efficient than the big one. So I think that's the difference between the master and the uh, student. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. So focus on your brand strategy. Definitely head over to plantobrand.com to check out Peter's software. I think it's really helped us with developing what we're doing and it can help you as well. And if you have any questions, let us know. Are you thinking about leaving your job, taking control of your own destiny and turning your passion and experience into a side hustle? or full-time business? Well, check out our new corporate escape plan, PDF Guide. It's free and you'll learn the top 10 challenges for new entrepreneurs and what you can do to overcome them. Just head over to foundersconnect.co forward slash escape to grab the free checklist now. Yeah, do it. Stay tuned for our next episode where we talk about how to create high-quality content that converts. See you then. Thanks for tuning in. And remember to live passionately, purposefully, and confidently. Till next time, 